0: We're just going to try something up here for you this morning. And I don't think it's going to work, but we're going to give it a shot anyway. We're going to try to get this guy to walk for you, all right? So we're going to all have to cheer for him. If he does it, we cheer for him. He gets really proud of himself. He'll do it again. So let's give it a shot.
1: Come on, bud. Go to walk.
0: This is his way of protesting.
1: Come on. Let's walk. Come on. You're not going to do it, are you?
0: Come here. Oh, I'm going to go play. No, come on. Okay, let's walk. You can do it. Woo! They're cheering. Oh, yeah, now you can walk. Okay, he's not going to do it. Oh, well. That was worth a shot. Oh, I can't see. This past week, my son, he actually took his first steps and started walking. So, um, as a proud dad on Father's Day, I wanted to bring him up here, show off a little bit. Um, but I also wanted to, to display for you and and begin your thinking around um, this thought of life being simple. Um, I think as we grow older, uh, it's very easy for life to become complicated. And as a one-year-old, Ezra's life right now is all about walking or, or banging toys or throwing food on the ground. Um, so life is simple in the beginning. And it becomes complicated. There's a book that was written uh, quite a while ago called All I Need, All I Really Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. This book came out a long time ago. Some of you may have, have read this or heard of it before. I wanted to share with you some of it here as I begin this morning. He said, the inspiration for brevity came to me at a gasoline station. I managed to fill an old car's tank with super deluxe high octane go juice. My old hoopie couldn't handle it and got the willies. Kept sputtering out at intersections and belching going downhill. I understood. My mind and my spirit get like that from time to time, too. Too much high-content information, and I get the existential willies. Keep sputtering out at intersections where life choices must be made, and I either know too much or not enough. The examined life is no picnic. I realized then that I already know most of what is necessary to live a meaningful life. That it isn't all that complicated. I know it, and have known it for a long, long time. Now, living it, that's another matter. So here's my credo. All I really need to know about how to live and what to do and how to be, I learned in kindergarten. Wisdom was not at the top of the graduate school mountain, but there in the sand pile at school. These are the things that I learned. Share everything. Play fair. Don't hit people. Put things back where you found them. Clean up your own mess. Don't take things that aren't yours. Say you're sorry when you hurt somebody. Wash your hands before you eat. Flush. Warm cookies and cold milk are good for you. Live a balanced life. Learn some and think some and draw and paint and sing and dance and play and work. Every day is some. Take a nap every afternoon. When you go out in the world, watch out for traffic. Hold hands and stick together. Be aware of wonder. Remember the little seed in the styrofoam cup. The roots go down and the plant goes up. and Nobody really knows how or why, but we are all like that. Goldfish and hamsters and white mice, even even the little seed in the styrofoam cup, they all die. And so do we. And then remember the Dick and Jane books and the first word you learned, the biggest word of all. Look, everything you need to know is in there somewhere. The golden rule and love and basic sanitation, ecology and politics and equality and sane living. Take any one of those items and extrapolate it into sophisticated adult terms and apply it to your family life or your work or government or your world and it holds true and clear and firm. Think what a better world it would be if we all, the whole world, had cookies and milk at about 3 o'clock in the afternoon and then lay down with our blankies for a nap. Or if all governments had as a basic policy to always put things back where they found them and to clean up their own mess. And it is still true no matter how, no matter how old you are, when you go out in the world, it is best to hold hands and to stick together. So as I've grown older, this is something that has become, uh, more and more vivid to me, and that is this, this idea that as we get older, life becomes more complicated. Whether it's going to school, we're starting to pay our own bills, we're getting married, we're having a kid, we're having two kids, we're having three kids, uh, we begin our career, we start to gain debt, decisions become more and more difficult, and life becomes complicated. Uh, and although I think this is, this is kind of, kind of uh, funnier, humorous to to think about, I I do believe there's probably some more that we need to know than what we learned in kindergarten. Um, I like this thought, and what I really want to talk about this morning is this idea or this thought that uh, our faith and our involvement in church is similar to this, that the further we go down our Christian walk or a Christian life, it's very easy for us to complicate our faith. It's very easy for us to complicate church. Uh, I believe that as we go down our Christian walk, it's very easy to lose our sense of wonder and our sense of awe at the pure, simple truth, just the simple truth that's found in the gospel that we once propelled us to give our life to Christ. Uh, and it can become, can become blurred, and we can lose that, um, that wonder and that awe. Now all we really need to know, I believe, we learned in Sunday school. Last Sunday we had a showcase Sunday, which for those who weren't there is a Sunday where we actually showcase our children's ministry and all of the classes came up on stage here. Uh, for those who are here, they kind of got a treat, I, I believe anyway, to have these young kids up on stage. I stood back here and watched them all morning and I couldn't stop smiling all morning as I watched these kids come up here, they were trying to share with us the things they were learning in Sunday school. And I just, the, the pure simplicity of the messages that they were sharing with us, and sometimes some even sharing stuff with us that had nothing to do with anything, but they just wanted to share something, uh, it just filled me with this joy. I wanted to ask you guys a question, get some response, I'll we'll some interaction here, and get you thinking about what you learned in Sunday school. If you were able to go to Sunday school as a child... Uh, you can just shout, shout some stuff out. What, is, what was it in Sunday school that you learned? Or they tried to teach you anyway. <laughs> God created, God created me. Jesus me? Jesus loves me. Anyone else? That pretty much covers it. <laughs> All right, I want to share a passage with you here before we continue on. It's Matthew twenty-two verses thirty-four to forty. Jesus is being questioned here by by the Pharisees, and says that hearing Jesus had silenced the Sadducees. The Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question: "Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law?" Jesus replied, "Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul." and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. So love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And love others as much as you love yourself. This is probably familiar uh, in terms of of what we've heard before. Uh, You might see it in Maybe not roll your eyes, but just kind of think, oh yeah, I've heard this before. Um, I'm hoping that you can read this this morning and hear this this morning with a a fresh perspective. Um, As I think of the love that Jesus is saying here, it's easy to read this passage and think, well yeah, yeah, I know I'm supposed to do that, and I do do that. Um, What I want us to think about this morning is: is, do we really do that? Do we really love God with all our heart, our mind, and our soul? And do we really love others as much as we love ourselves? This is uh, what Jesus says, is the two, two greatest commands. Um, when I think of this love for myself personally, I now have the privilege of what I feel anyway, the best way that I could describe or I feel experience um, this type of love or really understand it would be the love that I have now for my kids. And those who are parents... Um, fathers like myself, and you have kids, you would, you'd understand when I, when I say that there are times, and I don't know why I do this to myself, it's kind of, uh, I don't know what it is, masochistic or whatever. I, sometimes though I get these thoughts pop into my head of my children, you know, what if, what if they were hurt? What if somebody tried to hurt them or injure them? Uh, what if they were in trouble? And I don't know why I think of that sometimes. But it just pops into my head. Maybe it's a natural thing that all parents think about. But I, I don't know about you guys, but when I, when I have that thought come into my head, I get this fire in my stomach. It's a bur- like a burning inside of me and this passion that I will do anything, anything including death to keep that from happening. I will never let anybody hurt my kid. I will never let them be in trouble. It's just, just this passionate love, this fire literally within me. And that's the love, or at least maybe a glimpse, uh, of, of what I believe Jesus is, is asking uh, here and, and stating when he says we need to love God and love others. It's not simply just to love God and love others. It's to love God and to love others with this passion, this fire, this, this willingness to do anything for them. I want to ask you another question, and that is just to think back and start to ponder when you first became a Christian. Uh, Whether it was, for some, it was just a couple weeks ago. Uh, For some, it may be 30, 40 years ago. But if you just begin to think back, when you first gave your life to Christ, uh, what was it that was your primary, you know, the one one or two things that that led you to make that decision in your life? What was it in your understanding, at that point in time in your life, that caused you to make that decision, I'm going to live for Jesus? If you think of some just, just go ahead and shout them out. My sins are forgiven. He loves me in spite of my sin. Sounds a little familiar to what we were attempted to learn in Sunday school, right? I want to share with you a little portion of my, it's actually not my story, but it's a little portion of what I shared with some teens in Regina a few months ago. And I was trying to actually share with them where my life had gone um, and help them to get a sense of where I was at this one point in time in my life. And this point in time was the moment right prior to where I became a Christian, where I gave my life to Jesus and the words, as I, as I thought of that, and I thought, okay, how can I describe this to them? These words started to pop up into my head, and so I just wrote these words down. And this is, this is how I describe where I was at that point in my life. I was oblivious. I was crippled. I was fooled. I was numb. I was empty. I was lonely. I was hopeless. And I was lost. That would def- that's how I would define or describe my life. My entire life, that sums it all up for me uh, in terms of where I was at that point in my life. And the other night, I was actually laying in bed and with Chelsea. and don't worry teens, this is a safe story, you can keep your ears open. I was laying in bed, and Chelsea was actually asleep. Uh, she'd been asleep for a while, and I, I just laid down to go to sleep like I always do. And for some reason this night, um, I have no idea why, I'm, I'm sure it is related to the sermon and what was on my heart all week, but I could not get two memories out of my head. My, my mind, I don't, you you know, you guys probably all experience sometimes laying down going to sleep and you just can't shut your brain off. That doesn't happen to me. I'm, I can shut my brain off pretty easy. It's not usually on. <laughs> and so I never have this problem. I honestly don't. But I, I was actually really shocked and surprised by this. I just couldn't go to sleep. I couldn't get these two memories out of my head. The first memory that came into my head And I was consumed with was a memory of being gang-beaten in an empty parking lot at about three o'clock in the night, in the middle of the night, when I was about 19 or 20 years old. And the thought, the the thing that I couldn't get out of my mind was was just sitting in the seat, and I was back in this moment, sitting in the seat, gripping the steering wheel for my whole life, just trying not to be pulled from my car. As these guys are trying to rip me and my friend out of my car, anyway, I just the reality of that moment um, overwhelmed me. I just couldn't get this out of my head. I played it through. Uh, even I was, what if I did something differently? I don't know why I'm thinking. Ten years later, you know, I should have done something differently. Um, and the next memory that popped into my head immediately following that uh, was a memory of driving downtown, uh, high out of my mind and going to try and find the police station somewhere. Back then I didn't, you know, I didn't even have the internet at that point in my life. I probably wouldn't have known how to use it. But I was going downtown to the cop station to bail one of my friends out of jail. And I couldn't find the jail. I couldn't couldn't find out how to park. I couldn't find out how to get up the building. It took me about three hours, and I remember going down this long, empty hallway in the middle of the night in this building and going and uh, bailing my friend out of jail who had been arrested that night. Anyway, I share these with you because as I'm thinking of these two memories, obviously, like to describe the feeling within my stomach at that time was just, ugh, I felt like I wanted to just throw up. Ooh, was this really me? I could think of all these memories in such great detail. I was in shock that those are actually my memories. Those are in my head. They'll always be with me. And as I I was thinking about all this, I actually turned over and I saw Chelsea. The streetlights were coming in our window. And I saw Chelsea laying just fast asleep. And I instantly was filled with this joy and like just totally feeling like I can't believe how lucky I am Where am I? I was in this wonderful dream as I looked at Chelsea sleeping and I actually, I was just, I was thinking, oh, I want to wrap my arms and just around her and I'll I'll fall asleep holding Chelsea tonight. And so I put my arm around her and like right as I put my arm on her, while she was sleeping, she grabbed my arm and threw it away and then turned over. (laughs) She literally did that and I, I don't know, after I stopped crying a little bit. really what it what it then did did, i kind of laughed actually uh I, i thought of my kids you know i thought of my kids down the hallway in their bedrooms fast asleep warm and happy and safe in their bedrooms and then this thought totally overwhelmed me i'm their dad I want to share with you this morning that when I, when I became a Christian, when I first gave my life to Christ, these are the things that I suddenly grasped, these simple things that I learned in Sunday school, and I finally understood these at the age of 22. It was that Jesus loves me. Shocking. Like he loves me? He died and he rose for me. His grace is offered to me. God's Spirit is guiding me. What happened in this moment, at that point in my life, what happened on Wednesday or Thursday night as I lay in bed thinking about these things, what happened was shock. I said shock earlier. The words that I want to use this morning are awe and wonder. Just... just. Simple, pure, just wow, just awe and wonder how profound these simple things that we learn in Sunday school are. And as we go along in our Christian lives, as I go along in my Christian life, I can't speak for you. I can only speak for myself, and I know that at times I can hardly even see those simple things, let alone understand them and let them lead my Christian life. My life, my Christian life, my faith, And my perspective, my involvement in church, it's just so complicated. It's full of so many things uh, that are deterring me from this sense of awe and wonder at the simple, pure truth that's found in the gospel. What happened at that point in my life when I became a Christian, and I don't know, as, as you're thinking back to that point in your own life, what happened as I was filled with that sense of awe and wonder what it did was it, it led me to living out Matthew 22. When Jesus makes this command of us, it's not a command to me. What it is is it's a pure, it's, a, it's, the, it's the, just the actual um, raw response to the awe and wonder that we uh, feel when we begin to grasp these things that we learned in, in Sunday school. I want to share with you a a blog this morning. Um, It's written by a a guy named Peter Rollins. It's an online blog that I follow, and he's uh, from Ireland. I want to share you a portion of of one of his blogs this morning. You know, I think that that we'd all say that yes, we've heard this passage before. We've heard that we we are to love God. We're to love others, Um, and we might even convince ourselves this morning or. Or throughout our Christian life, that uh, we do love God and we do love others. Um, I just want to share these words with you. It says, Without beliefs, a person would not be able to get out of bed in the morning. Beliefs are operating all the time, enabling us to function on a day to day basis. I am rather interested in showing how what we really believe often has nothing whatsoever to do with what we say we believe. For example, the story we tell ourselves about ourselves. Take the example of buying chocolate from a corner shop. If I know or suspect that the chocolate is made from cocoa beans picked by children under the conditions of slavery, then regardless of what I say, I believe in child slavery. For the belief operates at a material level, the level of what I do, rather than at the level of the mind or what I tell myself that I believe. And I can't hide in supposed ignorance either, for if I don't know about how most chocolate is made, it is likely that my lack of knowledge is a form of refusal to care. For the very fact that there is fair trade, fair trade chocolate, for example, should be enough for me to ask questions about whether other chocolate is made in an unfair way, or take the example of buying cheap clothes from a department store. Regardless of what I say, if I don't ask some basic questions about where the clothes come from, I believe in sweatshops, or at best, I believe in ignorance in not asking questions and in the virtue of being an uncritical consumer. Again, these beliefs are not ones I will admit to myself or bring to my mind, but rather, they are the beliefs I enact as a result of my basic desires arising from my heart. And although I, I do admit that this is an extreme uh, example that he shares here, I don't know if I agree fully with everything that he says there. I do agree wholeheartedly with this principle that our actions more than our words actually display what we really believe. We can tell ourselves and we can tell others uh, that we believe anything. That we, you know, we can we can think we are a certain person. And we, I think often, I, can, I try to convince myself I'm a certain person. I want to be a certain person, try to convince myself I'm a certain person. That doesn't mean that's the person I am. Um, the way that I live, the, my actual actions and my attitude are, are what really displayed, not only to myself, but to others, what I really believe. And so in light of, of this passage, in light of Christ's command to love God and to love others, and simplicity in that command... Um, you know, I can tell myself, yeah, I believe that. I can even convince myself that I am actually living it out. Um, but I have to take a look at my attitude and the way that I'm living my life. And really that will tell me, uh, am I actually living that out? And I have to admit, you guys, this morning, confession time, that I don't. I clearly don't a lot of the time. I clearly make decisions a lot that demonstrate to me, that demonstrate to those around me, that I'm not loving God in that moment, definitely that I'm not loving them. Um, Too often, especially in relation to my faith and in relation to church, I'm more consumed with me than I'm consumed with God and with others. I'm more consumed with whether or not I like the songs that we're singing, whether or not I like the style of the music that we sing as a church, whether or not the audio-visual team did a good enough job and... Well, oh, gee, I can't believe they messed it up. They ruined worship for me this morning. Or, or I walk away thinking, oh, I didn't really get a lot out of this morning. Or, you know, Kelly really should have worn nicer clothes. Or his sermon really should have applied to me more. Me, 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 me. And so much of the time, my faith personally becomes about me. And since when is the Christian faith about me? What about Christian faith? Is about me. I'll tell you what I believe. The only part of the Christian faith that should involve me should be the part of me that I sacrifice, that I give the hopes, the desires, my will that is sacrificed and given. When I responded to this awe and this wonder at the simple truth that I finally understood, my response was sacrificing my hopes, my desires. I gave up my will for my life. I gave up the path that I was going down. I just wanted to, I just wanted to serve God. I wanted to serve His church. And that was my simple response. And so often I'm steered sideways. And I just, I just, I personally believe for myself, definitely. I believe for, for many of you as well, I'm sure is the same case that often these distractions, these deterrences, the complications within our faith and within church is often caused. By me. I need to be reminded continually that it's not about me. It's about loving God. It's about loving others. I want to share with you one last writing, and this is from a book called Crazy Love by Francis Chan. It says Have you ever wondered if we're missing it? It's crazy if you think about it. The God of the universe, the creator of nitrogen and pine needles, galaxies and E minor, loves us with a radical, unconditional, self-sacrificing love. And what is our typical response? We go to church, sing songs, and try not to cuss. Does something deep inside your heart long to break free from the status quo? Are you hungry for an authentic faith that addresses the problems of our world with tangible, even radical solutions? God is calling you to a passionate love relationship with himself. Because the answer to religious complacency isn't working harder at a list of do's and don'ts. It's falling in love with God. And when you encounter his love, you will never be the same. Because when you're wildly in love with someone, it changes everything. And so my encouragement to you this morning is to think about this question, is to continually ponder this this question, what is the foundation of my faith? What truly is underneath there spurring me on? And I believe it's it's a very simple truth. Don't become so consumed with the things in your Christian life or the me in your Christian life that you forget or you lose your sense of awe and wonder at how truly amazing the pure, simple truth in the gospel is. I want to finish this morning by sharing a song with you. Um, It'll be a little bit different. I'm just going to get myself ready here. But I'm actually going to share a song with you. Uh, The main reason for this is because simply as a person, as I uh, prepare for a morning like this, as I'm I'm wanting to share something from my heart with people, uh, always what happens is I end up thinking of music, I end up thinking of songs, and I, I actually end up wanting to just sing a message instead. And so this morning I'm going to try that. And I'm just going to sing this, this song for you, and I want, uh, the words will be up here on the screen. And uh, this communicates my struggle and the victory within my own Christian life of, uh, of losing the sense of awe and wonder, of, of complicating my faith and complicating church, and then rediscovering the sense of awe and wonder. You may uh, wonder about my sermon title. It was titled, Woe that wasn't like a surfer, woo. it was more this, this raw response that, that I think most people have to when they're, they're shocked by something, when they're just floored by something, it's just, whoa, did you see that? Whoa. And, uh, the reason for that was the way that this song ends and, and it's just this raw response. And so I wanted to share this with, it, with you as an encouragement. Um, and I hope that it spurs you forward in your own Christian life to love God and to love others more.
1: with the world it steals my love for you my fear grips my faith and I am left unmoved your gaze stops my heart your voice fills the dark your love Is the spark that lights this life So I'll rise Out of the depths you cry Come and be satisfied Father you sing Father you sing Over your children You quiet the storm Inside this shipwrecked soul your spirit will lead. It guides the wayward home. At the sound of your name, all my sin is washed away. And in Christ I'm crucified. In you I'll die. In you I'll